Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and find the Gospel of John. It is the fourth book in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 1 this morning, reading more about how Jesus is revealed to us through this season we call Epiphany. You see, after Christmas, after we celebrate the coming of, of Jesus to the earth as a child, um, we take some time to look at his life. And we take some time to look at how Jesus reveals to us. And not just us in this room, but he has revealed himself to all people. You see, one of the beauties of the season of Epiphany is that the good news, the the example that he sets, the the messages and the teachings that he gives us are not just for those who already know him, but for those who will one day know him. You see, Jesus reveals himself to the world, not just the church, not just the nation of Israel, but to the entire world. And so Christmas keeps rolling on. Now, you don't have to buy me presents. Okay, But we're still going to celebrate the Jesus that has come into our lives. Last week was our first week of this new series called Far Better, talking about how the life that is offered to us through Jesus Christ is far better than what this world could ever give us. And so that is what we are going to be talking about again this morning. Last week we talked about living beyond our limits. And we looked at the story of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. Something that he did not feel that he was qualified to do. And yet, God qualified him. What a wonderful thing. And and he has qualified us as well to live beyond our limits. And so last week we asked the question, where are we going to invest this year? And, and you know what, I, I, think, I think today will be the last week that we talk about what are we going to do this year, and we're just going to start doing it. How, how about that? How about that? Let's just start doing it. The resolutions have been set. We have set our goals, hopefully on day 15, that you haven't already <laughs> failed in those goals. Um, but yeah, I've had a piece of cake or five, you know, who cares? Who cares, right? But let's start digging into this new year. Let's start digging in our heels, and let's start living into what God would have for us. John chapter 1, would you stand with me as we read? John chapter 1, starting at verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, 
John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. This is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Would you pray for me as we seek what God might have for us today? Lord, we're thankful for your word, and and we're thankful that it has been proclaimed freely here this morning. We ask that as your word goes out, that we would be able to express it not only in our words, but in our actions and habits as well. Lord, we love you and thank you and ask that you would speak to us in a fresh way today. In Jesus' name, amen. The rumors of his arrival were swirling around like an uncontrollable wind. We discussed the potential of him arriving, yet we didn't know what to expect when he would get here. And then all of a sudden, like an unapologetic crack of thunder, he was here. And he began to perform signs and and wonders. The people who once followed me were now starting to follow him. The, the people that I was looking after, the, the people that I had the respect of, left me and started following him. And, and as the, the sheriff of the kingdom, I was hurt. By the way, my name's Sheriff Woody. And the man I'm talking about is Buzz Lightyear. Sorry. You see, this, this space man breaks into Andy's room, the one that I am the sheriff of, and he steals my friends. The one who we did not know before was finally here, and the people who were once following me started following him, and I did not like it. But here is why. is because... Who he said he was, was not who he actually was. And out of jealousy, I, Sheriff Woody, started telling them that he was a toy, a child's play thing. You are not a superhero here to defend from Lieutenant Zerg. You are a toy. In fact, Andy's name is written on your shoe. That means that you are Andy's property. And so, and so I broke him. He was 
so confused as to who he was. He was so confused as to who he thought he was versus what I was telling him that he finally got to a breaking point. He needed to prove to himself who he was. And so he, he climbed a stairwell, and, he was, and he, he was at the top of a stairwell. Before him was an open window. He deployed his wings. Andy Newman starts playing in the background. And he jumps. Because if he is who he thinks he is, then he will fly. But if he is who I say he is, then he will fall. And in midair, he, he reaches the apex of his jump, and he falls. And I was okay with that. Because now it was revealed who he actually was, and people started questioning him and the validity of him and his mission. And so they started following me once again, and, and I was okay with that. Now, hopefully you've seen that movie, because it's good. But what if we heard that story from Buzz Lightyear's perspective? I'm not going to do his voice. <laughs> I came to this room as a gift, literally, a birthday gift. I came into Andy's room, and I knew that I had this mission before me to defend the galaxy from this evil emperor. I knew I could fly. I knew I could fix all of these things. I had wisdom. I had skills. I had talent. And yet there was this annoying sheriff who kept telling me that I was not who I said I was. Maybe you're picking up on this theme. And so I, I knew that I, I was at a crossroads. I needed to believe the sheriff or I needed to believe myself. And the one who told me I could not fly, I needed to prove wrong. And so I climbed the staircase. I, the window happened to be open and I turned on the iPod. I deployed my wings and I jumped. And in that moment, I was at a crossroads between figuring out if I was who I thought I was or if I was something else. And I fell. And my entire existence was shattered. I had an identity crisis. And I would present to you this morning that we are no different than Buzz Lightyear. We have these identity crises all the time. Think about it for just a moment. The expectations we have at work and what we see on television and, and even in this church, could it be? That we are being pulled in all different directions. And all of a sudden we find ourselves not knowing who we actually are. Maybe you're like me. And maybe we are like Buzz Lightyear. And maybe, just maybe, we're like John the Baptist, and, and we pick up with him this morning. Now, what we just read is has taken place after he baptized Jesus and after Jesus was tempted in the desert. So Jesus is returning from this time that he had of, of temptation and overcoming that temptation, praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back, entering into the town square. We, we don't know where this was happening, the scene, but... You could imagine that people were around, but no one really recognized who this man was. Perhaps he was a traveler from another village, and he was just walking through. But John the Baptist knew who he was. 
he says, look, the Lamb of God. And verse 30 presents to us the first crossroads that we see in this passage. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. The reason that this statement is so profound, the fact that John the Baptist is saying this, is because his message was starting to gain a following. John the Baptist was starting to gain a following, and people were trying to push him into admitting that maybe, just maybe, he was the Messiah that people were waiting for. And all of a sudden, he has this fame, this newfound fame. And he had to have liked it. He had disciples, right? John the Baptist had disciples. People who were following him, learning from him, people that he was pouring into and and teaching and leading along. And here comes Jesus. And John needs to decide, okay, this is the moment where I can either point others towards Jesus or I can keep the following that I have for myself. Because you see, he didn't have to say, look, the Lamb of God. But he did. The crossroads that John the Baptist found himself, he chose the right way. And we're thankful that he did. So here's a question, and and, um, I I oversee the small groups that that take place here, and we discuss all of the questions that I'm going to ask in this sermon throughout the week. So if you are not a part of a talk to you after service and, uh, and get you plugged in. But here's my first question, and it's, it's a good one. Uh, do we ever choose local fame and forsake divine obedience? Do we ever get complacent with the following that we have in our lives and completely ignore the calling that God might have on our life? Do we desire earthly fame more than honoring the one who created the earth? I'm going to repeat that. Do we desire earthly fame instead of honoring the one who made the earth in the first place. I wonder if we find ourselves at these crossroads more often than we may think. Through the the remainder of this message, there are are two broad categories that that I want to present, and I want to do it delicately. I want to do it gracefully, but not to draw a line in the sand. Um, but and our, and our language helps us. But in this story, we, we have followers, and we have not yet to be followers. And, 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 I want to, and, and I want to be delicate here that there are people in this room, and it is okay. And there are people in this world who have not yet committed themselves to following Jesus Christ. And that's okay. But some of us in this room have, and, and that's okay too. But in this story, and and what I will be addressing particularly are people who are currently committed followers of the way and people who have not yet committed themselves. Are we on the same page there? So I first want to speak to those, uh, the the category that I fall in. Uh, You know, I, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I have been. Uh, since a fresh, my freshman year in high school. 
However, I um, and, and many, many of you find myself in leadership positions at this church. And so for just a moment, I want to use we language and talk to those who may or may not find themselves in, in leadership positions here at this church. And, and you know who you are. Um, let's look at verse 36 and 37. It says, when he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. What would happen if we led in such a way to where when we pointed at Jesus, people stopped following us and started following him? There is, a, there is a translation, there are different translations of this Bible. Um, one of the translations says, after John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God, the two disciples ran after Jesus. They didn't even think about it for a minute. And this is why. is Everything that John the Baptist told them about the one who was to come had them convinced before he was even there. <laughs> And all John the Baptist had to say was, you know the guy that I've been talking about for a while? There he is. And without a moment of hesitation, they turned and followed Jesus. So what would it look like? How would our leadership change? How would our lifestyles change if when we revealed Jesus to people, that they would follow him, but not only follow him, but stop following us. Because some of us are familiar with this passage that you cannot serve two masters. Now, the, the, the context that Jesus puts that in is, is you cannot serve both God and, and money. But I would present to you that someone cannot serve and follow me and God at the same time. You see, we cannot serve two masters. We are not designed to serve two masters. We can only serve one master. And so, this poses some problems. Because now I have to look inward to myself, my leadership, and I need to ask the question, am I a glass ceiling to someone else? Because you see, not only circumstances can be glass ceilings, right? Not only laws and rules and, and governmental decisions can be glass ceilings, but in fact, people can be glass ceilings. And the reason that that presents an issue is because if I'm only focused on pointing people to me and what I know and what I can offer, then all of a sudden, when I max out, they max out. And we are butting up on these glass ceilings with no hope of breaking through. And it's not God who has provided the glass ceiling, it is me. So, questions we need to ask ourselves. Am I a glass ceiling to someone else? Is my faith the glass ceiling of someone else's? Is the way that I am leading actually revealing Christ to others, or am I just revealing more of what I already know? And, and here is what I want us to tune into for just a moment. That the church forces people into serving two masters. And we create climates and cultures that force this. Now, we don't do it intentionally. We don't do it on purpose. 
That's not our mission here. But the things that we say, the things that we do, how we lead, how we give advice, how we, how we prescribe forces people to serve both us and draw from us and God at the same time. And that is not how it is supposed to be. So how is my leadership changing that? Am I forcing people to serve two masters? Verse 38 gives us more of a glimpse of what it would mean to be a follower. And and I'm going to get into what that would look like in just a second, but let's look at verse 38. It says, turning around, Jesus saw them, the the two disciples that are now following Jesus. He, He turned around and asked, what do you want? I don't think he was sassy there. They said, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Friends, in order for us to follow Jesus, we need to go where he goes. In order for us to follow Jesus, we need to stay where he is staying. And what we talked about just a few weeks ago was was what if God's work is happening more outside of the church than in it? And I'm hoping you can put two and two together. When was the last time, and I asked myself this question, when was the last time when I asked God where he was going? When was the last time where I asked God where he was staying? And I don't know the answer to that question. But this is the cool thing, we get the example from our two disciples here, is that the first thing they wanted to know about Jesus was where he was going to be. Because all they wanted was to be where he was. That's all they wanted. All they wanted was to know where he was headed. They wanted to know where he was going to spend his afternoon. Because, because of what John the Baptist told them about Jesus, they knew that they wanted to be where he was. But I also want to present just another thought as well. I I don't want to communicate here, and, and maybe I have for some of you, that if you are not in a defined leadership role, that no one is following you. That is not the case. That is not the case. In fact, whether you are a believer or a follower of Christ or a not yet believer or follower of Christ, you still have people following you. Just think about it. If you're a parent, you have kids. If you are a husband, you have a wife. If you're a wife, you have a husband. If you are a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend. If you are a girlfriend, you have a boyfriend. You may have employees. You may have people that you manage in a workplace. And at the very, very least, you are sitting across the pew from someone else. And people are watching. People are following. And so the same exact question poses itself to us as well. Is, is my leadership, is the way that I am living my life pointing others to Jesus or pointing others just back to me? So I would ask this question to you. Who is following you? I'm, I'm not talking about someone who has said, um, so-and-so, I want to be mentored and discipled by you. I'm not, I'm not asking that question. I'm asking, who's in your life? Who lives in your house? Who's paying attention to what you do? Because people are following you, whether you know it or not. 
So is the way that we are leading, is the way that we are being a follower pointing others to Jesus? Now, let's talk for just a moment, and I want to do this gracefully. I'm, I'm, I'm talking here to everyone, but, but I, I want to tune in to those who may have, have not fully committed their lives over to Jesus Christ. Maybe, and, and, and this is something that I struggled with for a very long time, is that there were certain parts of my life that I was unwilling to turn over to Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I was able to turn over my Sunday mornings. I, I, I was able to turn over my, my, my time for youth group and church throughout the week, but, but I did not turn over everything. I did not turn over my career. I did not turn over my friends. And, and whether those needed to change or not was not for me to decide. But the reason that God could not decide them for me is because I had yet to turn them over to him. See, God is a perfect gentleman. He is not going to just force you to do things and, and break into your life and make you change things or rather him change things for you. No, he wants you to want this. So for those who, who maybe have been showing up here for a while, and yet there, have, there are some things in your life that you have not fully turned over to Christ. I, I, I want to read verse 39 to you. This is Jesus' response, and this is an invitation for all of us this morning. Jesus says, come and see. He says, come and see for yourselves. If you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, if you want to be where I am, then come and see. It's an open invitation for all of us. I love the saying, show me your friends and I will show you your future. I love that saying. It's so true. And I will adapt that to this morning. Show me who you're following and I will tell you where you are going. And I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about show me who you are following in this life and, and I will help you understand where you're headed. Is it going to be a life of hope or is it going to be a life of running in circles? Craving something that you feel doesn't exist and yet it does. Aren't you tired of grinding it out? with nowhere to go but back to the grind. Aren't you tired? Don't you hunger for something more? The, the invitation, come and see, is a life-changing invitation. And this is an invitation for all of us. We talked about that earlier, that, that this season of epiphany is for all of us. So I'm just going to read through a couple of different things. The, the, the thing made possible through a total life commitment to Jesus Christ. And I mean everything. I mean everything. This is the invitation that we give. We are being invited into a far better life where our identity is no longer in crisis, but it is in the unmovable, unchangeable, all-powerful God of the universe. That is an invitation that you have this morning that we all have this morning. That your life was no longer in crisis. That, that you never wondered who you were supposed to be or what you were supposed to do, but in fact, all you are being asked to do is come and see. 
follow me and come and see. Come hang out where I'm hanging out. Come stay where I am staying. There's another thing that, that we are given the opportunity to do, and I love this thought. That you are invited into a life where instead of comparing the lengths of your chains with others, you are able to break them. But don't we do that? Don't we spend time comparing the lengths of our chains rather than just believing that the God of the universe can break them? The life that Jesus invites you into, the far better life that is being made available to you through the Son is that you can live a life of chain breaking rather than length comparing. There's yet another thing, and this is a liberating thought for us all. I don't care if you've been going here for 50 years, for five minutes. We are being invited into a life where instead of living for the approval of God, we can live from the approval of God. Did that resonate with anyone this morning? Is that good news for anyone this morning? Who has spent at least some chunk of their time in their life trying to approve God and get God's approval? I'm going to raise my hand. You don't have to. But I have spent so much of my life trying to win the approval of God rather than just living from the approval of God. You see, God has created me. He has created you for a purpose. And he has given you his rubber stamp of approval to go out into the world and to live on mission for the sake of his kingdom, not yours, but his. A kingdom of hope, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of peace. So do you want to live from the approval of God rather than for it? As we close, I have just three questions, just three more questions. What would that look like? How does your afternoon today change when you decide to live from God's approval rather than for it? How does your life change? How do, how do your thought processes change? How do your actions and habits change? Second question is this. What if all we were meant to do was reveal Jesus to others? What, what if that was all we were meant to do? If there was nothing else that we did, yeah, we have jobs. Yeah, we go to school. But what if all we were meant to do while doing those things was to reveal Jesus to others? And I have one more question, and this is for everyone. Will you decide for yourself to be a follower of the far better instead of the far worse. Maybe today is going to be a big day for your life. July 10th, 2005 was my day. Maybe today is yours where you commit for yourself once and for all that every part of my life Every step that I take, every decision that I make, 
is made after I seek the counsel of the Father. A wonderful part of following Jesus and and pursuing the far better way of life is that we are invited to a table. A table that we gather around every single morning. God invites you to communion. That's why we call it communion. (laughs) He invites you to an opportunity, a time, a space where you can lay before the Father and remember what he has done for you on the cross. And remember the far better life that he has offered to you this very day. So if my servers would come forward, those helping us serve communion, would, would come forward and and as we still our hearts, as we still our minds, I pray and hope for you like I did throughout the days leading up to today that maybe, just maybe, you would make the decision once and for all to follow the far better way. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are overwhelmed by your goodness. We are overwhelmed by your grace. We are in complete awe of the life that you prepare for us, the life that you offer us, the life that you freely invite everyone to, a life where instead of comparing the lengths of our change, we can break them. A life where instead of living 